are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Three weeks ago, we began this series on the subject of grace. And Lord willing, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to continue in that study as we see how grace was displayed uh, next week. Grace is unmerited favor. We do not deserve grace. Sometimes my father would extend grace to me when I was a boy, when he'd send me to my room and I'd wait for the guillotine to come and I could hear that belt coming off. And then sometimes he extended grace where he said, son, let me just talk to you about it. It's unmerited. You know, sometimes as a boy, I did wrong and I deserved punishment. My dad was so loving at times and said, son, I need to just talk to you about this situation. And he dealt with me out of grace. Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. In my life, it took place many years ago when I was a boy over here in Centerville, now Fremont, California, in our little town of about 2,500 people. When my eyes were open that I saw my condition. I knew I was a liar. Oh, I could lie to my mother, to my sisters. I knew I was a sinner. No one had to tell me. I knew that. And that night, I'll never forget of being under great conviction of my sin. That evening, our pastor preached. What he preached, I have no idea. I walked forward that night, and I said, Pastor, I want to be saved. I need to be saved. And I was born again. What happened that night, the transaction where grace extended to me. I deserved to die and go to hell. I deserved it. Sin cannot be entered into heaven. And I was a sinner, as Brother Reamer say, but I got saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Uh, there's so much that religion tries to get us to do to get this grace. Give money, go to church, get baptized, stop sinning, stop drinking, stop, ru- stop running. Uh, Stop being rebellious. Stop the anger. But that's not grace. That's rehabilitation. What needs to happen is regeneration. And in verse number, verse 11, it speaks about that regeneration. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, deliverance, hath appeared to all men. Grace regenerates. Grace Verse 12, reforms, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So many people want to put that verse first. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to live righteously, godly. No, you have to have the first verse, 11. You have to have the grace, the grace that regenerates us. And then the grace that reforms us. How about Romans 12? 
we put verse two as the first and we try to clean up our act. But the Bible says verse one comes first. In Romans 12, verse one, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But verse two, and be not conformed. So what we do, we take young people, we take new people, we take, and, and, and they start reforming. They start walking like a Christian and talking like a Christian and acting like a Christian and dressing like a Christian and all these things. And we think they're Christian, but they have never been regenerated. Turning over a new leaf is not, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I believe as many churches, including a church like this, would have to be filled with people that have never been born again. Brother Fred Cavaliz, it's good to see you back in church. Boy, he flirted with death. And I'm so glad God raised you back up. That's so wonderful. So we find that grace regenerates by way of introduction, and grace reforms us, and grace raptures us. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. One day we'll be raptured home to be with him. Now, what a day that will be. Grace, verse 14, redeems us who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Iniquity is not purged out of our life before verse number 11, regeneration. Redeemed is to be bought back, to be purchased back. And so thus far in these first three weeks, we found that grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. I don't deserve it. And God extended that grace, and we saw grace, what it produces is salvation. And last week we saw that grace, Acts chapter 11, creates and produces joy. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We sing in elementary chapel. Where? Down in my heart. If you have the absence of joy, you might want to check grace. If you remember last week, the world can give us happiness and pleasure and fun and enjoyment, but that's all external. Only Jesus can give us joy. Joy comes from the inside. Happiness, pleasure, fun, laughter comes from the outside. There's nothing wrong with some of these things. There's nothing wrong, perhaps, drive me crazy, but a fishing pole. There's nothing wrong with that. But that happiness is not internal, it's external. And so today is our third message, and we find in verse number 11, the introduction of grace, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, but our text today is verse number 12. I'd like you to read verse 12, and it begins with this word that it's used in a verb form, teaching. It's an action word. That action refers back to verse 11. Verse 11 preludes verse 12. You don't start, I don't start a conversation 
Happy birthday to you too, Brother Poussin. Today's the big, big day. And my wife told me not to say that. That shows you how much a man I am. I'm sleeping out in the backyard tonight. What a gift he is to us. That would have been a good place to say amen. They don't say amen when it's me either, but nonetheless. So, Brother Poussin, I'm going to start a conversation with you. I just come to your presence. Teaching us, he has no idea what I'm talking about. Teaching us, what am I talking about? He has no idea. Let's go to Mr. Bible Scholar here. You're a great preacher. He's the, he, he, he wrote part of the Bible, I think. I'm not sure. You find things in the Bible that are not even there, but they're good. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, so I come to your presence, brother. Teaching us, what am I talking about? Wow, that's amazing. Um, teaching us, we're not going to lunch. Uh, <laughs> You are not going to lunch. I'll tell you that right now. You don't start a conversation with teaching us. Teaching us refers back to something. And it refers back to verse 11, the grace of God. And so what does the grace of God do? The grace of God is going to tell us about holiness. As we've seen, the grace of God produces salvation. It produces joy. It produces holiness. Well, I don't want to go to a church like that, all the rules. You ought to have far more rules in your life than a church does. The, quote, rules of a church are not grievous. They're not many. I tell our college students I have it run off. The, it's 1,600 pages of the rule books of Stanford University. It's about this tall. Our Bible college rule book is about that thick. God said you can run an entire nation on 10 rules. 10. Exodus chapter 20. 10. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. God gave us about 10 rules. You can run a nation, you can run a home, you can run a life on about 10 rules. So God gave, but you ought to have more rules than that. You ought to have a rule that when a woman enters a room, you stand. There's not much in the Bible that says that, although King Solomon, when his mother entered the room, the Bible said he stood. There's not a lot in the Bible that says, uh, where does it say in the Bible, hold the door for a woman? Well, don't you know this is 2019 and uh, you're a male chauvinist pig. Thank you very much. I'm holding the door for a woman. A couple years ago, I got to the door and the lady got to the door and, and, and she said, I'll hold it. I said, no, ma'am. And we just stood there. I'm not, hey, you say you, no, no. A lady deserves more respect than that. I'm not looking down on a woman, it's just the opposite. You say, well, what about equal rights? You got to be kidding me. Equal rights? When you live with someone that's superior to you, sir, you want to dumb it down to make yourself equal with her? God says, in honor, preferring one another. We're complicating life. We're, we're all messed up in the head. Don't know how to treat women. Don't know how to treat men. Don't know how to treat kids. Why? We're choosing to violate the word of God. 
God will stir in your heart more rules than I'll ever have. God will speak to your heart. I recall, it's out of the Bible, I never got to sit with our three kids when they were growing up. My wife played the piano. They sat in the first row. She would discipline them from the piano. We'd be having song service and singing, and she'd be over there playing the piano, and like usual, the girls, not Tim, not Tim, but the girls messing around, goofing off, and probably Tim egging them on, but nonetheless, she would just be playing, smiling. And all it took was the look. That's why she chose to raise our kids. The Bible says these rules here follow salvation. It's teaching us that denying, we're getting into the verse, but denying, denying says, say no. There ought to be some things in life we say no to. Say no, denying ungodliness. Well, of course, the word godly is godlike. Ungodly would be unlike God. So think of the attributes of our Lord. He was kind. He was humble. He humbled himself. He cared for people. He took time for children. He took time for widows. He took time for the sick, the lame, the halt, the blind. The, 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 he took time for the demons possessed. He took time for everybody. And God says that when you get saved, the, the word of God, grace teaches that you deny, you say no, and I do too, to ungodliness and worldly lust. A lust is an insatiable desire. And God says, I don't want you to, there's nothing wrong with a desire, but there's wrong when it's a worldly lust because 1 John 2, 15 says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, there's another one, I forget it right now. It's not of the Father, but of the world. It's all world. Folks, have you noticed in church work that the world is pushing into the church? We have the world all week long, then why do we need to turn church into a nightclub? Can't there be a place where we still have a Bible in our hand and have a, a song book that sings songs and hymns and spiritual songs? And not a rock band and a contemporary crowd. And it, God says, we don't want you, know, I don't want you because of grace to mirror the worldly lust, what the world do. They, they go to the nightclub on Saturday night. Keep the nightclub out of the church. The church ought to be different than the world. The world sets everything in our life. Our philosophy, our sense, I, I, I have no idea how to work the computer, and I'm all for it. We own hundreds of them on both properties. And we're on the radio right now on a computer, and we're on the Internet to over 100 countries right, right now. I'm so grateful for it all. I don't know how it do, does it. But I'm going to tell you something. I read an article. I guess it's true. We, someone taught it in our class that it's true. 
Sunday school that, that your phone starts to track what you like. And then all of a sudden it starts popping up and I don't know how that all works. And all of a sudden you start getting information about all that. May, may I say, this world is trying to get you, trying to get me. And the Bible says, I want you to know when you have the grace of God, verse 12, it's teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust. Here it is. You stay with me here, please. We should live soberly. I asked that several years ago in a preacher boy's class and a young Christian boy. I said, what does it mean to be sober? He says, don't drink. Well, it's out, that's what the word sober today. But soberly is we should live very seriously. Life is serious. It means when we live soberly, serious, and there's a restraint. We're denying some things. We're, we're holding it back. Mothers and dads, we're trying to hold back our kids from the philosophy of this world. As a pastor, and I feel like so often the floodgates are pouring in. I'm, I'm feeling like we as pastors here, we're trying to, and the pastors are trying to hold it back. But the floodgates of the world is moving into the church. It's moving into our homes. It's moving into our philosophy. And God says that we are to live soberly. The result of grace, when we say no to ungodliness and worldly lust, the result is sober living. What's the second word? The result is not only soberly, but the second word, say it together, ready, begin, righteously. The root word of righteously or righteousness is right. We live right. There's a right living. Our relationship with God is right. We have not had, in the 30 years or so we've worked together, we have not had a bad relationship. There's a rightness between us. But both of us have worked on having a rightness this way. And if I'm right this way, I'll be right this way. Your marriage today is suffering so much. If we could just put uh, the major, not, I gotta change her. She is so obstinate. She is so, or he is so. And we get so upset with our mate. But if we can humble ourselves and say, God, I, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me. Not my wife, it's me. Yeah, but you don't know what she's done. Yeah, 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 I know. But God, I have to deal with me. Oh, but my husband, but, but I have to. And if we can get this right, it's, no, it's so amazing what we could do this way. Great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. We live in such a soft, offended society. I'm so offended, I'm gonna have to sue you. I'm so hurt that I gotta deal with you. Nowhere to live soberly, we live righteously. What's the third word? Teaching us and denying ungodliness, worldly lust. We should live one, soberly. Two, righteously. Three, what? Thank you for staying right with me. It's God-like. What does it mean to be God-like? It means that when we look in the mirror, we see, 
we see this, and I tell you what, when I look in the mirror, it kind of discourages me. Brother Robinson's like that lady that came from North Carolina. I don't know who she was. I haven't seen her since, but she visited. Three years ago, I had an accident on a bicycle, and they took me to the hospital and stitched up. I said, I've got all these stitches right here and broken ribs, and it's just, it was a mess. Well, then at Christmas, two years ago, I was riding an electric scooter with my grandkids, no helmet, and I did this side, same exact. So I got a scar here, and I got a scar here, and she watches, apparently. And she came and visited North Carolina, Brother Robertson, and she said, Brother Treber, and she's at the door doing this. I said, she's looking for the scar. And she kept looking. She said, I'm so glad. She, wasn't look she was looking at and I'm so glad you're here, I said. She goes, I'm glad. I said, you looking for the scar? She goes, I was. And then she said, you know what? I said, it's right here and it's right here. She goes, oh, yeah, I see it. She said, the good thing, it blends in with all the other lines. <laughs> Brother Spiegel, she caught herself then. She realized what she had said. And I felt like saying, well, I could use DAP too and cover them all in, but I'm not going to, but that would have been vicious, I'm sure. Bondo, whatever you call it. It means that when I look in the mirror, I should see a man that's Christ-like. And what I see, and that's what to live godly means. I, 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 when people see he must be like God. He's and fill in the blank for our lives. He or she is kind. He's a good person. He's a honest person. He's a moral person. He's a thoughtful person. He, 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 he is a strong person. That's what it is to be godly. And then he said this, looking. You know, when the grace of God comes into our life, and I know I'm out of time, we start looking for that blessed hope. What is when God's grace, I start looking, maybe today my Lord will come for me. Maybe I'm looking for that blessed hope. A blessed day is coming. Well, the rapture, but it may be first our home going. One of our dear men in the Indian department was here for years. They moved away not even 40 years of age, this morning passed away on the streets of a large city on a business trip. It'd be Monday where he's at. No warning. Wife and two boys. No warning. May I say this? We've got to be looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. And then verse 14, we're done who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people zealous of the last two words in verse 14 are what? Good works. Uh, grace causes us not to be all about my selfie. Look at me. Look who I am. Will the world look at my insecurities so you can see how important I am? But when a person experiences grace, they're not always looking. I'm not suggesting you can't take a selfie with people once in a while. But when you're obsessed with you, 
it's because you're not obsessed with good works to help others on the pathway of life. I challenge the preachers myself today, verse 15. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Grace produces holiness. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds my sin and my guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace. God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. I I didn't deserve to have my name written in the book of life. God's grace did it. Grace saves us salvation. Grace produces joy. And grace produces holiness. Don't be the Christian that the boundaries in your life are just made up by your church. Are the boundaries in your life are just made up by your parents? Are the boundaries in your life are just made up of your family heritage? Those things are good things. But go way beyond that. Because grace says, I want to be holy for him. Not holy for the church and not holy for my parents, though that is okay. Roloff, Brother Roloff's been dead, I think, 40 years. He would say, you write on my convictions till you get some of your own. But you better get some because it's an evidence to experience grace. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.